7.13, love of God. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God, and God in him. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. If someone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, how can he love God, whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love your fellow believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Well, good morning, everyone. I am happy and blessed and honored to be here with you this morning. Um, If you've come in a little bit late and you're looking at me and saying, who are you? My name is uh, William Sellers. I'm an associate youth pastor at Camrio Church here, just down the road. And I'm here with my wife. Uh, Her name is Kelly. She's in the back row. Are you high? Ah, there you are. And we're very, again, uh, happy to be here with you guys. Um, And a very Merry Christmas to you all. Before I uh, start, could a Trevor Barber come up? We have something for you. If you notice on the bulletin, there is uh, some artwork done. And as I understand, this is something that's uh, been new to the church here, and they want to keep this going. There's a gift for you. So here you are, sir. (laughs) But it doesn't end here. Before we... um, Before we go anywhere else, um, how many forks do I have? One, two, three, four. You can pick three people, preferably kids, to come on up front for a surprise. Okay. Somebody who's, um, well, yeah, who likes surprises. Uh, Trevor? Um, A young one. A young one. They're all in the church. Yeah. You right there. I don't know your name. <laughs> and somebody else. Okay. Um, Chris, come on up. And and that well, that'll work. And I think I only have four forks. One, two, three, four. All right. Well, the title of today's sermon is Respect the Fruitcake, and what do we have here? Fruitcake. <laughs> yes, everyone's favorite, I assume. 
Well, what you're going to do for us all is take a bite and give us your response to the fruitcake. Now, there might be secret fruitcake lovers in here who love this time of year for this one special reason, that fruitcake comes out in mass. But maybe there's others who've never had fruitcake. And so you might just thoroughly enjoy it. So I'll dish it up for you guys. One at a time. Don't don't rush. <laughs> Come for. I don't want to go over the carpet with it. It's a bit crumbly. But and next next. And there you are. Oh, I've got a new slice. Well, that's not much of a slice. It's a bit of a mess. There we go. Oh, and last but not the least. Give you that big nuclear red cherry. All right. Now, just to be a good sport, I'll, I'll eat with you as well. So on the count of three, <clears throat> let's... Oh, oh, there you are. Thank you. I'll eat with my fingers. Let's down the hatch. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> That's hard. <clears throat> okay. What's um, what's your impression? When you get the cherry in there, it tastes like cough medicine. Cough medicine. Very good. Very good. Food is food. I'm a, I'm a garbage disposal. Okay. We've got someone that likes it. That's all right. Uh, what about yourself? No comment. No comment. You can put it down. It's okay. And you have permission to go to the lobby and rinse your mouth out if you like. <laughs> and what about yourself? Would you put Skittles in there? I put Skittles. I wish. <laughs> it might improve it. But, yes, no, I don't know, maybe. Mm, not, your, not your holiday favorite, huh? <laughs> All right. You guys can put them down here and go back if you'd like. Well, thank you for being such good sports. No problem. And yes, Merry Christmas. Oh, here. I'll hold it up. <laughs> well, fruitcake. Did you know that it happens to be one of the most least liked desserts on the planet? Surprise, surprise. Um, it's, a, it's a food item that, amongst many, gets no respect. And uh, the message today is called Respect the Fruitcake. And I bet you're wondering, where am I going with this? I have a point, and we'll get there together. Believe me. But fruitcake, um, in my experience, um, my mom and dad never made this stuff. And I'll share at the end of the sermon my first exposure to fruitcake. But I looked up how to make this stuff. I guess people still make it, homemade and all. And all the ingredients seem to be great. Nuts, who doesn't like that? And sugar and some bread and some other things. But somehow when you put all these things together... It's a hit-and-miss thing. You're either going to love it or you're not going to enjoy it. Um, it seems to me, in my impression of things, that fruitcake seems to be what you make dead last in a cooking batch. It's all your leftover stuff that you just throw together. And to, for some people who make sure that uh, maybe they want some leftovers, they put a good measure of alcohol in it to preserve it. And on that point, um, apparently Jay Leno some years back had somebody, some family, um, bring in their 
their family fruitcake that was over 130 years old. They had preserved this thing, I think, from the 1870s. And they ate it on TV. I hadn't seen it, but I heard about it. But apparently, fruitcake was one of Europe's first cakes. That's the history of it. And the reason, I guess, was there wasn't refined flour, there wasn't refined sugar, and it was the best way to make something sweet, or relatively sweet, last a long time. Well, the tradition has hung around, and it hasn't gone away. And in American taste and culture, sometimes we wonder, why is this still around? But you'll find out in the sermon in a moment. But before we go any further, let's pause and ask for the Lord's blessing, shall we? Father in heaven, as we open up your word just now, we want to hear you. We want to hear your message from your word, to bless our hearts, to give us encouragement, to give us direction, to fill us with love for you and for others. And we ask all this in Jesus' name, amen. Okay. If you would, turn to uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 17. Now, for those in my family who have bantered around this topic and conversation and they hear the text that I want to use, and why in the world would you use that text? Well, this is a very special text for one very special reason. There's a word in here that we'll unpack in the Greek that's super rare. It occurs once in the New Testament, and um, we'll get to it in a moment. But say amen if you're there. Amen. Okay, very good. Let's read. I'm reading from the ESV version, English Standard Version, and it doesn't quite matter where you're at. Their readings are relatively uh, the same. Mine reads this, Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the emperor. Honor. It's not a word that we use much in our culture, our society in the United States, Um, and it's certainly something that What we'll find in the Greek is a little bit removed of what the intent was in this text. Where you see, the word in text, uh, in the Greek text, is tamaste. It comes from the root word tameo. How many of you uh, know somebody by the name of Timothy? Or is anybody in this room here today called Timothy? Timothy uh, has a meaning in Greek. It's called uh, honored of God or blessed of God. And in Greek, there's a a beautiful history of this word. And its original meaning came from the economic world. Timeo meant something that you valued. Something that had a ascribed value um, from you as a person. And as we look at this text, if we read it with that eye on the, in the scriptures, we could read it like this. Value everyone. Love the brotherhood, fear God, and value the emperor. When I grew up uh, in my parents' home, they taught me many things, of course. And one of the things that um, I had to learn was respect, Right? All good parents teach their children what respect is and and how to use it, why we should respect. And respect uh, for most children that I I believe uh, revolves around the idea of obeying or not disobeying 
uh, an authority or an adult. Respect means to comply or to oblige. And I think in most children's minds, the word of valuing the one who's uh, asking respect from you is maybe out of the equation. And I wonder if maybe this has been underappreciated in our Christian message as part of the gospel um, that we have given from God to the world. Here in this text, we are called to go deeper in our relationships with those in our lives. And even for a stranger, we are to see people not as who they are or what they do or, or what they don't do or anything outside of that. I think what the text is asking us to do is to see people and value them for whose they are. Everyone in our lives, whether they're family, immediate neighbors, fellow Christians, non-Christians, atheists, complete strangers, the scriptures are asking us to see everyone, everyone that we meet on one plane, on one level. We're asked to see them and value them as God does. I have a video clip for you that if we can show just now that is um, a brief, beautiful synopsis of uh, the Genesis all the way to the Nativity. And I'll comment on afterwards. Let's see if we can play that. Jesus, Lord, 
hope you got from that video is where it started. It started at creation. God made us because he wanted to. He made us because he is love. And somehow, some way, we found a way of kind of messing it up. Adam and Eve chose to take a piece of fruit and do contrary to what God had asked them to do. And very shortly thereafter, things began to unravel in a way that Adam and Eve never understood could happen. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 6. We're not going to read all of Genesis chapter 6, what I've put up here, uh, 1 through 8. But if you're familiar with it, um, the one verse that I want to emphasize is the last. It's verse 8. For those uh, who have read this before, this, might, this set of verses might be pretty, pretty hard to swallow. This is God describing um, where man has taken himself describes um, what, we're, what our passions were and, well, frankly, are these days. It describes his broken heart. This is the one time in Scripture where God expresses pain in a way that he never did before or, or since. He laments um, making us in a way that is a bit shocking. But it ends on a beautiful but. Verse 8, it reads this. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. How was it that one man who responded to God was enough for God to respond in such a way to preserve and to redeem a whole race of creation? What that is, is it's the gospel. It's a God whose love is beyond our capability. It's a love that we are very unfamiliar with. It's a love that early on in human history we separated ourselves from. It's a love that we long for, we would like to imitate, but it's beyond our capacity. I wish that chapter 6, verses 1 through 8 would read differently. I wish that we, apart from God wouldn't be like this. But apart from God's love, it's quite different. God's love is perfect. It's holy. It's creative. It's powerful. It never goes away in spite of whatever happens. In that short video, you see uh, from the creation through the fall of, of Adam and Eve, you see uh, Joseph, you see Moses, you see all the main characters in a neat package, artistically put together. In each of these stories, if you, if you read or you're familiar with, what you find in these is a, is a God who is always relating to humans who f- tend to fail in their relationship with God. God makes these covenants. These covenants... Um, are kept today not because of our ability to keep them, but because of what God promised that he would do. He was the one that kept his end of the covenants. And every time that his covenant keepers would break them, he would get them through. He would preserve them because he loved, because he, 
He valued us. We never lost anything in God's eyes when we've sinned. Scripture is a, is a testimony to that. It ends with focusing on the nativity, on this object right here. A cradle made out of, well, a feed bucket. Whatever it would have looked like, whether it was a dugout stone or a piece of wood, Jesus was basically um, born into a, a barn in the place where it was most comfortable and most dry and, I guess, free from bacteria and the like, was a feed trough. Looking at the nativity scene, what we see is a God's love expressed for the first time in a way that humanity never expected. The God of all creation, all-powerful, a God who could speak things into creation, into, into action, went to an extent to impress our hearts and our minds in a way that I guess we needed. This was the way in which he knew how to break and to speak to our human hearts, in spite of our sins. God showed up that evening so long ago. He was born to die, but he was also born to show us who he was. He was born in such a way in that way, to show us how valuable we are to him. Love is a big word. It's a complex idea, and there's many facets to it. And one of the things that love involves is value. First Peter, turn back to me if you would, and say amen when you get there. First Peter chapter 2, we're going to read verses 21 through 25. Amen, you're there? Good. Even though this section is, is often referred to as submission to authority, it ends with this powerful command. It's a commission. It reads this, For to this you have been called, Because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps, he committed no sin, neither was deceit in his mouth. When he was reviled, he didn't revile in return, and when he suffered, he didn't threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness, by whose wounds You have been healed, for you were straying like sheep, but you have now returned to the shepherd and overseers of our souls. Your previous reading in your bulletin uh, was Romans 12, 9, and 10. And it talks about what we are to do when we have accepted what God has done to pay for our eternal salvation. When we accept Jesus Christ as our our Lord, our Savior, our friend, our King, our Counselor, it's more than just a personal thing. My father is is an attorney, and he has good contacts with all of his previous clients. And growing up, we would, uh, I would expect every Christmas, uh, a round tin that would come in the mail from Texas. 
This friend of his was one of his first clients when he first got started, I don't know, 30-some-odd years ago. And they had always maintained a good friendship. And what this friend gave him every year for Christmas was a Texas fruitcake. <laughs> it was in a red tin. And I understand that there's two Texas fruitcakes that you can order through mail. There's a blue tin, and then there's a red tin. Well, he got the one with the cowboy on it. That's all I can remember. And my dad loved Texas fruitcake, and he tried to get me to love it too. <clears throat> but, you know, being six years old and looking at the thing that kind of quivered and had lots of, you know, the nuts looked tempting, you know, well, that looked good, but then there was things sticking out of it that looked like nuclear waste, you know, bright cherries of green and yellow and all kind of assorted colors. I didn't know what to make of that. I said, why do they only make it once a year? It must be bad. And he's, oh, you're just going to love it. You'll grow up one day and you'll love fruitcake. Well, maybe. My early memories of fruitcake was, to some people, it's an acquired taste. But for him, every time he got that fruitcake, it wasn't so much that he was looking forward to eating something. It was who was sending it. In that fruitcake was a representation of his friend thinking of him, loving him, staying connected. And... When I was looking for a fruitcake, sometimes it's hard to find one of these. Have you ever tried to look for one? <clears throat> I looked one afternoon uh, for hours, going to supermarket after supermarket. And out in Camarillo, there's a large retirement community. I don't know if you know this. Uh, it's called Leisure Village. And the supermarkets that are around it, I thought, well, by golly, that's where you get fruitcake. Because the older generation is the one that loves fruitcake. And so, sure enough, I went in, and I said, do you have fruitcake? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, the manager came back, well, actually, we're, we're sold out. You, <laughs> what, you sold out of fruitcake? Oh, yeah, it goes like hotcakes here. Oh, why is that? Well, it's probably because of the retirement community. Oh, we can't say that, though, because you know, that might hurt their feelings. But I think there's a, a truth in, a, in all of that. What I've discovered is, the older generation, that's what they were familiar with. And it's maybe not necessarily their love of what the fruitcake tastes like. It's what comes along with it. It's the memories. Sometimes foods can take you back to childhood memories when you were three, four, five, or six. They'll bring up wonderful times in your life that you just don't want to ever forget. When... When God looked down on his creation, when the time of Noah, the time of Israel and its rebellion, in fact, at any time in our point of history after we picked that fruit, I don't think God has any problem with the fruitcake that we are. One person told me that, um, you know, fruitcakes, it's a, it's a conundrum because... Every ingredient sounds pretty good, and it isn't good unto itself. But when you put it together, somehow something goes wrong. <laughs> somehow it's the only thing you can take and bake and make in your own kitchen that is disturbing sometimes. <laughs> and maybe that's one way we can look at ourselves is individually we, we might have great things, but somehow, some way, when, when we're put into this batch and we are the, that one ingredient, sin, is put into it, Something goes wrong. 
And the whole loaf becomes an acquired taste. I think that God looks at us as he always has. Before we were ever made, he had his idea, his vision. And there wasn't anything that we could do that would change that. No matter what our sins are, it doesn't matter to God. He can redeem us. There's a, a little poem about the nativity. It goes something like this. Who art thou, precious babe, nestled in the hay? God I am, come to earth this day. Why didst thou come, sweet little babe, so nestled in the hay? To die I came, the price of sin to pay. Whose sin, tender little babe, nestled in the hay? Yours it was that brought me down today. Christ's love for us and his value for humanity is a gift that I think that should always be a gift that keeps on giving. Have you ever given a gift that you received? First church I worked at, there was um, some ladies who were very proficient bakers. And two of them gave me little fruitcakes. And they didn't know my distaste for fruitcakes. But I knew uh, someone in my family who loved fruitcakes, my father. So I passed on the blessing to my dad. And, boy, where'd you get this? And so, oh, some well-meaning lady at church made it for me. And I thought, well, it shouldn't go to waste. You should have it. And I understand that you're going to be having a white elephant uh, party. Well, the gift of salvation, as I've come to understand, the longer that I've studied his word and, and gotten to know Jesus, it's a gift that isn't just for you. It's a gift that sets you free so that you can keep sharing it. And all these commands that he gives us uh, to love one another and to value a perfect stranger as equally as he values you, it's a gift. As freely it was given to you and as powerful as it is to change your life, he gives you this love through him, through his spirit, to pass it on to others, to affect and to emote change and hope and love and other people who haven't met him yet. His method of, of bringing hope and his kingdom was through us. His great idea was to use an imperfect creation, a fallen race, to give honor and glory to him in spite of, well, us being somewhat like fruitcake. We can be the gift that keeps on giving because he is our God. He is our Redeemer. He's our love. So maybe this Christmas, respect the fruitcake a little bit different. A loving Father, we thank you. We thank you for a love that never stops, for a love that sees through anything we do that well, harms each other, harms you, Lord, and harms your kingdom. Thank you, Lord, for a salvation that was bought and purchased by your blood. Thank you for this gift, Lord, and help us to respond to your call to keep on giving it and how we treat, love, and value others in our lives and the strangers that we meet, Lord, in this world today.
Bless us, keep us, and help us, Lord, to make this a New Year's uh, resolution for us, to value others as you value us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.